Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. You are tuned to your community program with myself, Yasmina Peterson. Before I head into the accommodation as well as some of the events, I'm going to be speaking to some students that I do have in studio. And this is in aid of the health promotion in the elderly population. So it's health promotion week and they are going to be promoting it within the elderly population. And speaking to us more about that, I'm joined in studio by Tamsin uh, Matheson as well as Michaela Pelser and also last but not least, Silivin Sibandi. Good afternoon to you two. Or do you three? Hi. Good afternoon. How are you guys doing this afternoon? <laughs> Very well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for taking time out to speaking to us more on this. Now, we understand the concept of health, right? But what was the need in terms of doing it amongst the elderly population? So, currently there's a large focus on health promotion from childhood to adulthood. If we have to look at our national health calendar, we have a pregnancy awareness week, a breastfeeding week, and a school health week, whereas there's only one day that really speaks specifically towards the elderly population, and this is the World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. Um, and because of this, we felt that nutrition in the elderly is a bit of a forgotten niche, and that's why we felt we wanted to target that audience. Okay, excellent. Okay, so you were speaking a little bit about uh, nutrition as well as uh, the elderly population and so forth, but why choosing health in specific for the elderly population? So, um, as we get older, there's a lot of natural changes that occur, um, and as we get older, we tend to lose a lot of muscle mass, um, which increases our protein requirements to replace the muscle loss. We also um, find that as we get older our bone mass also tends to decrease so that increases our requirements for vitamin D and for calcium when we get older our ability to absorb micronutrients also decreases and so our requirements for that goes up so as we age there's a lot of changes that occur naturally and so um, there are specific changes in the elderly with relation to nutrition that need to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So we are looking at, you know, nutritional. I want to change the focus a little bit, Jan. I want to speak about nutrition because when you're young, you're on this diet, you know, you want mm -hmm. to eat this type of things and that type of things. Why? Because it's good for your body. But do you feel that because of the fact that you are getting older, you're starting to slack a little bit where your diet is concerned? So in terms of what happens when we're aging, we often find that our taste changes occur. So naturally, um, our body's taste and the, our ability to taste certain foods such as salt and sugar, it desensitizes to these types of foods. So we want to add more of these to our food so that we have that same taste. And this results in us choosing foods that might be high in salt and high in sugar and low in nutritional value or low in other micronutrients that are good for our body. So that's really how our diet changes because of the aging process. Mm -hmm. See, you mentioned two factors and that was taste and smell. Now, do you think that the loss of taste and smell as we get older may be influencing on the type of foods in which we choose to eat? So definitely, it's, it seems to make us choose foods that are higher in salt and sugar and the, those, as I've just mentioned, then we choose more processed foods and less foods that are of micronutrient value that provide 
benefits to our body. Mm. Now also you, you're speaking about choosing the type of foods in which that maybe are high in salt or high in sugar and those type of things. But sometimes we are told that we're supposed to cut a little bit down on your sugar levels and you cut a little bit down on, uh, I mean your sugar intake and you cut a little bit down on your salt and so on. But how important is this when it comes to the elderly generation to cut a little bit down on the salt if you are looking at the tasting that is going to be different, that they want to accumulate more salt? Could that be dangerous to the body? Okay, well, the most common practice for the elderly and most of us when we want to increase maybe the salt value in our food is to add salt to our meals. So it is, but, but it is important that for all of us to limit that amount, in, especially the elderly, because they are at risk of developing chronic diseases like hypertension, especially, which is a result of eating a lot of salt so it is very important that even when you're older not just when you're still young even when you're older to still limit the amount of salt that you are taking so but what you can do in place of using salt is to use things like garlic and chili in order to flavor the food because those don't have a, a salt content that may impact your health you can also use herb spices such as basil and thyme and organum to add flavor to the food instead of using salt and increasing your salt intake overall per day Interesting, you've mentioned one chronic disease and that is hypertension. Now I want to go on to a diabetes. So sometimes they say that, okay, because it, is, it runs in the family, then you are more prone to getting diabetes when you're older and so on. Is there any way that you can change this through the foods that you eat? So definitely, when it comes to diabetes, there are a lot of factors that influence your tendency to develop the disease. So like you mentioned, a genetic predisposition to the disease definitely plays a factor. Um, but sugar is the main leading cause of the development of diabetes. So in order to reduce your risk of developing diabetes, it would be to reduce the amount of sugary foods that you're eating as well as the amount of sugar that we're adding to our foods. If mm -hmm. we're eating cereals in the morning, for example, within those cereals, there's sugar. And then on top of that, we're adding sugar. So it kind of all builds up over the day. Mm. Excellent. Now, when we were speaking about, you know, taste and the loss of the fact that, you know, your taste bud changes and everything changes, what suggestions do you have for someone who has lost their sense of taste? So, um, like Saliwa mentioned um, earlier, when it comes to salt especially, um, the best suggestions that we have is to just use garlic or chili, natural herbs to try and um, season the food. When it comes to um, the seasonings that we often find on the shelf, however, those seasonings do contain, some of them, do contain added salt. So it's important to read the back of the label and make sure that you're using raw seasonings and not the seasonings that have added salt within them. Okay, now in your intro, you have mentioned that the elderly individuals may experience a reduction in their bone density. So would or what would you then recommend that they maintain good bone health? So for good bone health, we need calcium and vitamin D. And it's not uncommon for elderly individuals to have a deficiency in these because as we age, our body's ability to absorb these nutrients naturally decreases. So these are, uh, so calcium is found in foods such as milk or other milk products like mass, yogurt, and cheese. It's also found in the bones of fish and such as tin fish like pilchards or sardines. So if you're eating those commonly, we recommend to leave the bones in and maybe mash them up a bit. Or it's found in foods such as spinach and broccoli. 
So it's recommended specifically for an elderly person to have three to four servings of dairy produce per day. So this could maybe be two glasses of milk and a small plain low-fat yogurt. Excellent. On that note, we break for ads and when we come back, we'll continue with the students in studio. Stay tuned. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back. We are still joined in studio by Tamsin Matheson as well as Michaela Pelsa and also Saliwe Nsibandi and they are dietetic students at UCT. They are speaking about health promotion in the elderly population. Now just before the ad break, uh, you girls were speaking a lot about calcium but what about the vitamin D? Okay, well, our main source of vitamin D is from sunlight exposure. However, as we get older, our body's ability to make this vitamin D from sunlight decreases. The elderly also tend to not get as much sun exposure due to restrictions with movement, so they're usually in, confined in their houses a lot of the time. So, and also because of the known risk of skin cancer as a result of sun exposure, it is not advisable that we spend a lot of time uh, are exposed to sunlight so what we can do rather is just to incorporate foods that are rich in vitamin D into our daily meals so these include chicken livers egg yolks cheese and sun-dried tomatoes and in this way we are going to get the vitamin D that we need including the elderly population excellent now are there any other common deficiencies like this so that the elderly people should be aware of so on top of the calcium and the vitamin D that we've previously spoken about, there are three other common deficiencies that occur in the elderly, and these include iron, folate, and vitamin B12. So all of these um, vitamins are important for the production of healthy blood cells, um, which speaks specifically to the elderly because as we get older, we need to still be able to produce healthy blood cells. Um, the reason why these deficiencies occur in the elderly is because iron folate and vitamin b12 rely on stomach acid to be absorbed and as we get older the amount of stomach acid we produce actually decreases which is why the elderly population are at a higher risk of developing these deficiencies hmm. now tell me are these vitamins found in foods that we eat commonly absolutely mm -hmm. the foods that we all that we should be eating to include these vitamins in our diet are things like green leafy vegetables like spinach as well as beans peas and lentils which if you ask me is perfect to make soup or curry because of the weather today and all the all sources of meat and animal products also contain good sources of iron and vitamin b12 but it's important to know that vitamin c can also help us absorb iron so things to include as well as the sources of iron to give us vitamin c are things like chilies bell peppers and tomatoes hmm. now this all seems like the most of the nutrients that we need for more as to you know when we get older and so forth but that is the things in which we find in within our foods but speak to us more about the supplements in the elderly you know there seems to be hundreds of different products on the market for the elderly in shops these days is it even necessary okay well we know now that as we grow older our requirements for these micronutrients nutrients increase so but many of the supplement products that are on the market they supply these vitamins and minerals in mega doses so what the body these are 
these exceed our daily requirements. So what the body does, it uses what it needs in order to replenish the stores, and what is excess, it just excretes. So if somebody is eating well and their diet has a variety of foods from all different food groups, you find that supplementation, whether it's a vitamin or a micro or other minerals, you find that it may not be necessary or will not be needed. Also, supplementation can be very costly to some individuals, and the development of these deficiencies are differs with each person so it's more of an individualized type of thing so it's very important that one speaks to a dietitian first who will assess their nutritional status and examine the adequacy of their diet and then they can advise on whether they need a vitamin or mineral supplement or not okay excellent now in terms of including a variety of foods right what recommendations do you have an elderly or for an elderly in terms of you know improving the diet okay so most most of the elderly people usually live alone so and when you live alone you tend to buy the same ingredients and cook the same foods because it's easy and you just get used to using the same recipes so what we can suggest is that for the elderly people they can form dinner clubs with friends and also family members that live nearby and this could be something that is similar to the TV show come dine with me where one person <laughs> prepares <laughs> yeah yes. where one person prepares a meal for that group of people that mm -hmm. they are with and this response responsibility can be rotated within the group and throughout the week. So this is going to increase the diversity of food that one person can be exposed to. So another alternative could be that elderly people can come together and cook in groups or have bring and share dinners where one person is responsible for making just one part of the meal and the rest of the group is going to bring all the other different parts of the mall. That's yeah. excellent. You mentioned that the involvement of, uh, you know, community health promotion. So what have you found to be the biggest issue in the elderly nutrition? So the biggest challenge we've come into is that um, to implement changes so late in life can be quite difficult for people because, you know, as we grow up, we grow up around traditions and certain customs to eating foods and preparing foods in a particular way. And some of them face challenges changing these so late on in life, changing their behaviors. So we found that the elderly population, however, are very enthusiastic to learn and really appreciative of the time that we can spare to teach them. And it has made our interactions with them so much more enjoyable. That's excellent. But now, what do you think are the best ways to overcome these barriers? So the best ways we think to overcome these barriers would to, is to make small changes over time. Um, we recommend making one small change in a week. Um, because like the saying goes, small changes eventually add up to big results. Mm. So when it comes to sugar, for example, if you were to be adding four teaspoons of sugar in your tea throughout wow. the day, <laughs> it would be advisable to try and cut down by just one teaspoon every week mm. until, you've until you've cut down to one teaspoon eventually and your taste will adapt to that change. Especially with physical activity, making small changes like taking the stairs instead of a lift and gradually increasing the amount of physical activity you're doing um, daily within a week can make a big change. Excellent. Now, if we, I see that we are running a bit out of time. We've got like a few minutes left to the program. Okay. But now speak to us more on why the importance to consult a dietitian as we age. So our risk for developing diseases as we get older increases. And it's very important to always assess the adequacy of your diet in order to determine your health status at this point in time. That is the role of a dietitian. So we look at the adequacy of your diet right now to assess 
your health status. And by doing this, we're able to individualize your needs to reduce your risk of developing a disease later in life. Excellent. Now, ladies, just once again, the importance of the promotion of health within the elderly community. Okay, well, the most important part about promoting health in the elderly is just to ultimately improve their quality of life. It's mostly about improving their quality of life. We still want the elderly to be able to enjoy the small things. And them being able to walk around and be healthy will help them to achieve this. So, But by neglecting to promote health in the elderly, we are putting them at risk of, increase of, or at risk of developing diseases that will impact their quality of life. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Damson Matheson, Michaela Pelsa, and Selivin Sabandi. Thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you in studio, and I wish you all of the best. Good afternoon. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.